It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like, what the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. Today is Friday, April 2nd, 2021. On this day in 1992, John Gotti, head of the infamous Gambino crime family, was found guilty of a litany of crimes, including conspiracy, racketeering, and murder. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a Spotify original from Parcast. Due to the graphic nature of this man's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. Today we're covering the conviction of notorious gangster John Joseph Gotti Jr., who evaded justice for multiple years. Now let's go back to Brooklyn, New York on April 2nd, 1992. You could cut the tension with a knife in the courtroom that day. John Joseph Gotti Jr., so often the picture of suave opulence, was visibly sweating in his double-breasted suit, which he had paired with a floral tie. Many people expected the flamboyant mobster to walk away from the trial. After all, he'd had no less than three courtroom victories in the past decade. His reign as the head of the Gambino crime family seemed unshakable. In fact, when the so-called Teflon Don was arrested on December 11, 1990, and seated in the back of the police car, he allegedly said, I bet you three to one, I beat this. But two years after that arrest, Gotti sensed something had changed. He would know. After all, he'd been in the family business for 50 years. John Gotti turned to a life of crime at an early age. The fifth of 13 children born to poor Italian-American parents, he devoted himself to the lifestyle he saw as a ticket to wealth. He dropped out of school when he was 16. Gotti felt that the hard streets of New York would teach him everything he needed to know. His ambition and devotion to his mentor, mafioso Aniello Della Croce, soon caught the eye of Della Croce's employer, the notorious Gambino family. He was arrested for petty crimes nine times between the ages of 18 and 26. As he got older, Gotti was trusted with increasingly dangerous jobs. Soon, he was hijacking trucks for the Gambino family, a crime for which he served three years of jail time in the late 1960s. Following his release, Gotti played a crucial role in the 1973 revenge murder of an Irish mobster suspected of killing a Gambino nephew. For this, Gotti returned to prison for a stunningly brief four-year sentence, and this relatively short time behind bars had little effect on his ambitions. Upon his return to the streets, Gotti's crew began selling drugs, which was against the family's rules. 
fearful that he and his partner Sammy the Bull Gravano would be punished for this transgression, they began planning a coup against Gambino boss Paul Castellano. If they got rid of Castellano, 45-year-old Gotti could take control over the Gambino family, and his dalliance in drug dealing could be swept under the rug. Gotti was also personally upset with Castellano, who hadn't attended the recent funeral of Gotti's mentor, Aniello Della Croce. On December 16, 1985, Gotti organized for the 70-year-old Castellano to be shot and killed outside a Manhattan steakhouse. The blow to the syndicate's power structure worked in Gotti's favor. He became the Gambino family boss and was soon one of the most dangerous and high-profile gangsters in the country. Under his control, the Gambino crime family flourished. Within five years, they were the most powerful name in America's mafia scene, grossing roughly $500 million a year. Unsurprisingly, the FBI grew increasingly interested in pinning John Gotti down. But with his notoriety, connections, and use of illegal jury tampering, bribery, and witness intimidation, Gotti continued to evade long jail sentences. However, Gotti eventually slipped up. Authorities approached his once right-hand man, Sammy the Bull Gravano, with an interesting piece of evidence. Gotti was caught on a wiretap admitting to several murders, in which he also implicated Gravano. It seemed like Gotti would make Gravano take the fall for crimes they both committed. In exchange for a shortened sentence, Gravano agreed to turn on Gotti and supply information to the FBI. The first crime which Gotti would finally be charged with was the murder of his former boss, Paul Castellano. With Gravano's help, Gotti was also charged with additional murders, racketeering, murder conspiracy, illegal gambling, tax fraud, obstruction of justice, bribery, and loan sharking, to name a few. And so on April 2nd, 1992, after more than 10 hours of deliberation, the jury returned with a verdict. At 1 p.m. that afternoon, they found John Gotti guilty on 13 counts, including conspiracy to commit murder. Coming up, Gotti's supporters respond to the conviction of their leader. Hi, listeners. It's Vanessa from Parcast. If you haven't had a chance to check out my series, Mythology, you don't know what you're missing. Heroes, gods, monsters, and mayhem. This podcast has it all. Every Tuesday, take a deep dive back in time, exploring the history, origins, and meaning behind the myths that have shaped the Earth. Each episode of Mythology dramatizes a story pulled from beliefs from around the world, giving insight into how our ancestors saw the universe and how those stories resonate in our lives today. Recent episodes include the epic battle between Hercules and Theseus, the grieving spirit known as La Llorona, and a treacherous journey to the land of the dead. Catch new episodes every Tuesday and binge the classics anytime. Follow Mythology free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Now back to the story. 
On April 2nd, 1992, untouchable mafia boss John Gotti made headlines across the world when he was pronounced guilty for 13 criminal counts, including murder. The trial had caused a media frenzy, and hundreds of supporters gathered outside the Brooklyn courthouse to support Gotti. When the news broke that he'd been convicted and would be spending life in prison, chaos ensued. That same day, Gotti supporters stormed the federal building. They wreaked havoc on the courthouse and smashed cars outside. Police eventually restrained the angry mob, but not before they had incurred extraordinary damage. But inside the courtroom, the scene was entirely different. Gotti, perpetually giving the cameras a show, put on a brave face. He patted his attorney on the back before standing to go. Undoubtedly, the realization that the rest of his life would be spent behind bars had not yet hit him. J. Bruce Mao, an FBI agent involved in Gotti's conviction, commented, he was obsessed with his own importance. He was convinced that no jury would ever convict him because he was John Gotti, a Caesar, an emperor. But the emperor's time in the sun was over. John Joseph Gotti was imprisoned at the federal penitentiary in Marion, Illinois. He was kept in solitary confinement for the majority of his time there, except for one hour a day in which he was permitted out of his cell. His appeals were rejected by the U.S. Supreme Court, and in 1998, Gotti was diagnosed with throat cancer. It would claim his life on June 10, 2002. The mobster who once grossed millions of dollars a year in illicit mob dealings died alone in prison at the age of 61. Gotti's guilty conviction led to the arrest of more key mafia players. By the year 2000, much of the syndicate was in prison, while the Gambino crime family continues after John Gotti's death, its glory days are over. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Bruce Katovich. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Katie Burris, with writing assistance by Alex Benedon, and fact-checking by Claire Cronin. I'm Vanessa Richardson.